What's up, everybody? Before we get the podcast started, I just wanted to remind you that we have merch for sale, official podcast merch. You can go to the link in the description of this very podcast and go to our Teespring account and get a shirt, two coffee mugs. So uh, again, the description to our merch is in the description of this podcast. On to the show. What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode number 214 of Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries for Thursday, February 11, 2021. I am Josh Cannon, and I'm here with my co-host, who I asked such an inappropriate question to. The first to go around, this is actually take two. So how you doing, Mike? I'm doing fine. Um, could be better, but uh, I'm doing a lot better now that I have had a fair number of interviews uh, for different job opportunities because sadly folks uh it seems like uh my time at michael's is going to be coming to an end do, do you feel like the, uh, do you feel like hitler in the last days of uh world war ii you're just in the bunker right now with michael's like everyone knows it's over and you're just kind of going through the motions at this point. I don't know if I would use a Hitler comparison. Is it bad that like uh, one minute into the podcast, I've already talked about Hitler? Is that like not a good foreboding <laughs> or omen or whatever? Um, um, I would definitely wouldn't use that comparison, but it is a similar kind of thing where it is you're like just waiting uh, for the end, and um, I'm just. Uh, Looking for other opportunities, and if I find one that I think will work out, I'll probably take it. Um, it's unfortunate, but, you know, it is what it is, and I was never planning on staying there forever anyway, so... Um, it's just been a huge boost for my self-esteem, though, that I've gotten a lot of interviews, like, a pr pretty much... Almost every application that I filled out lately, I've gotten an interview for. That's good. I could never get an interview for the shit when I was a teenager. I uh, yeah filled out I mean, so many I applications. Think what really helps me uh, compared to what I uh, was dealing with in the past is the work experience. I think that's really what what's the difference um, with these uh, uh, cashier or customer service jobs and retail that I think they really try to go for people who know what they're doing um, or have some experience. Uh, there are some that are definitely entry level stuff like what I did with Michael's. But um, once you have that experience, <clears throat> I think it's more often uh, than not that you're actually going to get more callbacks. You're going to get more interviews because you have current work experience in that field. So are you telling me that because I worked at CVS for six years, I might be able to work at a Walgreens? 
I mean, if you wanted to, maybe. Wow, that makes suicide seem more appealing now. Because <laughs> that's how I felt working at CVS. Jesus Christ, couldn't take one more second at that fucking place. Yeah, I've seen some photos of him uh, getting ready to go to CVS, and he definitely did not look like uh, he was happy. That's for sure. But I, I kind of feel I feel you now. I mean, I kind of feel that way going to work my current job right now. It's just, you know, a lot of the joy has been sucked out of it with the change in management and things are just not the same. I mean, for me, it wasn't really a, uh, ever a management thing. It's just I was doing jobs where I was not mentally stimulated. And yeah. uh, I mean, you could argue as, that being a karaoke DJ isn't the most... Uh, mentally stimulating thing in the world, but at least... But with, it's it's something you want to do. Well, at least with a, being a karaoke DJ, I can drink on the job, I can, uh, you know, I'm playing music, I can be on my phone, there's no one looking over my shoulder, and yeah. on top of all that, I'm getting paid a hell of a lot more uh, per hour, uh, you know... For sure. Than, than I was when For I was sure. uh, working at CVS, yeah. so... Yeah. You know... It's worth it now. That's why they're considered entry level positions, right? Yeah, I I always I always thought about like the the people at the top when I was working at CVS. I'm like the people at the top of the food chain at CVS, the old rich white men at the top of the food chain. Uh, they don't gotta greet the customers and ask them if they've had their flu shot and and kiss all this no. ass and. They would not want to do that, and that's why that is, like, the lowest rung of positions, because it's the one that nobody wants to fucking do. Like, like the least amount of people want that job, but it's because it requires so little skill, that's all that you're qualified for. But what blew my mind was I worked in the fucking photo lab there. Like, I acquired skills working in an old wet lab that are yeah. pretty much going Old extinct. Old wet now. lab. <laughs> yeah, they're called they're called wet labs because we oh, okay. we used chemicals like liquid well, chemicals yeah. in the machines. Mm-hmm. Um, now a lot of them are dry labs because there are there are no liquid chemicals. It's all uh, a different process now. And honestly, yeah. uh, you know the twenty four hour photo thing where you go to a pharmacy and drop off your you know instant camera and all that i mean it's it's very antiquated obviously nowadays yeah. uh but i will say that the um the the new like dry printers that um what what they do is they take like a piece of photo paper and then they lay down like this film of all like blue and then all yellow and then all magenta and somehow it just composites it together into your picture it doesn't use any kind of like wetness at all it's it's crazy but uh the pictures actually turn out a lot better on these new digital machines so the wet labs are completely just obsolete that's just it some... depends on what kind of digital machine you're using though well yeah but the ones we had at cvs those were uh those yeah. were all kodaks they were good um uh-huh. that's some real nerd shit right here now i <laughs> now i understand why people leave us bad reviews um so yeah we're gonna try to cut the chit chat to a minimum this week uh this is an episode i got nothing to say about wet labs i mean i could you know me and mike could go on two hours about talking about bullshit but we know that uh (laughs) that's not what you guys really i mean some of you might want it but you know 
I'm sure we'll get into some more stuff here as we get into these cases, which are both from Unsolved Mysteries this week. Uh, last week we told you about Australia's most infamous serial killer. I hope you enjoyed that episode. Um, I enjoyed the movie. Thanks again, Robin, for sending it. Um, and yeah, we may cover the other some of the other ones that he sent. Um, I think there was another true crime one in there. Um, but yeah, anyway, this week we're back to the Unsolved Mysteries which is what this show usually is about. And um, I guess going first here, we got Mike's pick, which is uh, Lita McClinton Sullivan. Yes, uh, which uh, has the uh, ID for the uh, segment of Fatal Flowers, which uh, is definitely rather fitting. Uh, and uh, since Valentine's Day is coming up... Um, we got a murder case that is not necessarily uh, directly related to Valentine's Day, but, you know, a lot of people wind up getting flowers on Valentine's Day, um, but uh, you definitely don't want to get these kind of flowers. <laughs> so Atlanta socialite Linta, uh, uh, Lita, I don't know, Linta, that's a weird name, Atlanta socialite Lita McClinton met Boston millionaire James Sullivan in 1975 while she was working in an Atlanta mall. A few years later, they were married after he divorced his first wife. He lost considerable money and property from the divorce. Her family feared that he married her only because of the high power that they had. Uh, they later moved into a home in Palm Beach, Florida. During the early 1980s, they had several serious arguments. Her parents believed that he was trying to control every aspect of her life. In 1985, she filed for a divorce and left him, moving to a townhouse in Buckhead. And this is one of those episodes from season 11. Uh, so the segment uh, that is uh, a part of this episode, it doesn't have the usual old school unsolved mysteries atmosphere look and feel in fact the reenactment is very uh, limited in terms of what you see or really anything in terms of acting uh, so a lot of this uh, reenactment is just interviews with various different people who uh, were part of the case and uh, of course with the narration by Robert Stack I wonder if they got they were at any point during the run of the show if they got like feedback or uh, if they did did like focus groups where you know the the whole like people were all like the new unsolved mysteries this sucks <laughs> we want well, the old unsolved mysteries back well no I, because like if the if like they're dialing back the kind of the reenactments or the, the scope of them. I wonder if it was a budget thing or if it was like a... I think it was a budget thing. Yeah. Because this is when it was on Lifetime. So it was no longer a network television show. Well, So that's my guess. Now that I think about it, I know the Black Hope Curse was a, a later season episode and that one was just all reenactment. But mm. there wasn't anything in particular that looked expensive about that shoot. I mean, I don't know if that was a lifetime one though. Oh, okay, that might have been when they moved to uh, CBS. I could be wrong though. All Not one hundred percent sure. 
maybe one of our unsolved mysteries experts can uh, solve that one for us. So uh, they were in the middle of a nasty divorce uh, and all of the proceedings that come with it when a delivery man arrived at Lita's door on the morning of January 16th of 1987. He was carrying a dozen roses and he asked if she was Lita when she answered the door. And when she responded yes, he shot her once in the head. Uh, the reenactment shows uh, a guy coming to the door. He looks sketchy automatically. He's got a hood up and everything. Rings the doorbell. Uh, he's like, uh, are you Lita uh, McClinton? And he's like, yes. And then he pulls out the gun and just shoots her. That's rude. Now, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's that's a, that's a lovely uh, present for sure. Like here's a here's some flowers and uh, murder. I'm gonna murder <laughs> you. I'm gonna shoot you in the fucking face. Sincerely, your piece of shit ex husband. <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, your husband uh, has a special delivery of this bullet into your brain, uh, and I'm here to deliver that, so uh, here you go. The flowers are just... Uh, the, fl- the flowers are just for me, honestly. I, I, I like them. <laughs> it, it almost is like, I wonder if that... Well, actually, this happened in 87, so maybe Terminator 2 uh, got the inspiration uh, from this case. Probably not, though. That was more of a Guns N' Roses joke. Uh. So anyway, uh, she was shot in the head, killed instantly. Several witnesses saw this guy flee the scene of the crime, but they could not identify him. Although James was at their home in Palm Beach, authorities believed it may have been a contract hit. Uh, You think? Yeah. Uh, (laughs) I don't think there's very many instances where flower delivery people uh, deliver flowers and bullets to the head uh 40 minutes after lita's murder james received a collect phone call from people outside of atlanta Ooh, that's uh that's that's definitely shady the distance between lita's home and the phone booth was exactly 40 minutes telephone records showed that three men checked into a georgia motel using false identification and made calls to james's home a flower vendor remembered a nervous man buying the flowers that were uh, actually found at lita's home that was like hours before her murder. So that was more than likely the guy who pulled the trigger. Uh, unless it was a different nervous man entirely. But I mean, how like how nervous was he? Like if he specifically mentioned that he was nervous, like he must have been like really fucking nervous. Uh, and uh, definitely left an impression. I wonder if he was... Uh, shaking and you know was kind of tweaking out or something no i'm not about to shoot someone in the forehead with a gun what uh sir i i said uh you know cash or check oh yeah right so um the guy was nervous at the flower shop authorities also learned from associates that james did not want to lose his fortune with another divorce he also said that he wouldn't be surprised if Lita suffered a tragic accident. Wow. Oh, also, she was killed on the same day that she was scheduled to testify in court for the divorce case. 
Although the gunman was never identified and the murder weapon was never found, a few months after Lita's murder, James was arrested and charged with her killing. However, the case was dismissed due to the lack of evidence. I, I guess there isn't, like, concrete evidence that connects him to it, but there's a lot of circumstantial evidence here. But, you know, that's just how our court system is, and for better or for worse, I mean, there are a lot of instances where it actually does help where you don't have somebody getting convicted of a murder based on evidence like that. Yeah. Or like if you can't find the body, but they're like almost sure that, you know, you're the one who committed the crime and you yeah. could even probably admit and say you did it. But until they are able to materialize a body, then it's, it it's not set in stone that the person's actually deceased. That's that rarely happens, though. That particular instance, uh, the 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 one uh, that I'm talking about is when people there's evidence like that that oh it's the ex husband and they had a divorce and it seems like it's uh, likely that he did it, but they don't have any other evidence other than they think he did it. Mm-hmm. You know that kind of thing. So. He was uh, arrested and charged. It was dismissed. Uh, there's an interview featured in this reenactment. Well, actually, not reenactment. Uh, in the uh, segment, uh, sometimes I get those two mixed up. And he just seemed like he was fake right from the get-go. He's uh, he's uh, speaking to the media, and you just look at his body language. He looks shifty. He looks. Uh, like a total sleaze bag. Um, he even looks like he's thinking about what he's going to say. And he's also really cold and very emotionless and until like one little bit near the end where I think he tries to uh, have some kind of uh, emotion of sadness. But it definitely appears like uh, the uh, actions of a sociopath, just the way that he was just talking about his innocence, it sounded like he was uh, rehearsing something that his publicist wrote for him uh, just in case he was uh, dismissed of uh, charges. So uh, eight months later, he married Suki Rogers, uh, another uh, woman. Uh, However, three years later, they also divorced. And in 1991, she told police that he had admitted to her that he had hired someone to kill Lita. I don't understand this stuff. You got away with it. Why the fuck would you let that slip? People like to brag, you know, they like to talk about, you know, like, look how much. Or maybe it it was an intimidation. It was an intimidation tactic. It was like, you want to divorce me? Yeah, it's either it was either that or it's like an ego thing. Like, look what I look what I can do. You know, I can have people taken care of. So in 1992, James was arrested and charged in federal court with arranging Lita's murder. However, the case was again dismissed. Her family were not going to give up. Uh, her father, Emery, uh, who was a former U.S. Department of Transportation uh, employee, uh, and Mother Joanne, who worked at a Georgia State uh, representative, uh, she was a Georgia State representative, I think, for uh, the Senate or some kind of political uh, standing. They were among Atlanta's most prominent African-American families. 
and were able to keep the case alive. They also filed a $4 million civil suit against him and won. Uh, her father's interviewed and he's like saying, he said something along the lines of, you know, you think you're going to get away with it. Like, you're not like, like, the, like I'm going to get you. Like he, he <laughs> the dad was, the dad was basically like, I'm going to, I'm going to catch up with you. Um, and I, I really liked that, that he was just so, uh, confident in how, you know, you're not going to get away with this. Like a damn like Batman or something. Like, yeah he's like i will catch you and it's almost like taken you know uh, i have a very particular set of skills <laughs> i want my wife i want my family <laughs> there's a someone made a whole compilation of uh times that harrison ford has said he wants his wife and he wants his family yeah, and all that's his a movies different, that's a different actor uh but yeah, it's a similar sort of thing. I fucking love that compilation. He's seriously like, there's so many movies like, where's my wife? I want my wife. Yeah. Where's my family? <laughs> Give me back my family. I want my family. <laughs> Get off my plane. <laughs> <laughs> Why is everyone trying to steal Harrison's Ford's, Harrison Ford's family? Does this... His family must be pretty kick-ass. Everyone's always trying to take him. Well, you could probably do another uh, compilation of Liam Neeson and all the films that he's done after Taken of, you know, who took my family? Who took my daughter? I will find you, and I will kill you. Yeah, that was a great line. So, anyway, uh, in February of 1998, a North Carolina man named Philip Harwood was arrested on unrelated charges. Uh, he had previously worked for James moving furniture for him. His girlfriend told police that he had implicated himself in Lita's murder. She also said that shortly after they had met with him, he and he actually wound up paying Philip for committing the murder. Uh, when questioned, Philip confessed to it and claimed that James had hired him. He also admitted that he was the man that had picked up the flowers and had made the phone call to James's home that morning. Finally, in May of 1998, uh, James was charged with felony murder and a warrant was issued for his arrest. Arrangements were made by his attorney to uh, surrender him to authorities, but that never actually happened. Authorities believe that he fled the country shortly after the arrest warrant was made. Uh, They suspect he may be in Ireland where he has a dual citizenship. So this case... uh, it first aired on uh, uh, the uh, July 10th, 2001 episode. It was also featured on America's Most Wanted. It was uh, documented on Dateline as well. And this case has been solved. James was captured on July 2nd, 2002 by the FBI while he was living with his Thai girlfriend in a condominium located in Cha Am, Thailand. They had been under surveillance for about a month. He was uh, then extradited to Georgia to face murder charges. He was convicted and sentenced to life in prison without parole. The trigger man, Philip Hardwood, uh, he pleaded guilty to voluntary manslaughter. And he was sentenced to 20 years in prison. And he was released in 2018. It always blows my mind. The And he was released for like killing someone. I don't understand. I don't get that. Like... He killed someone. Uh, yes, he was hired by James, 
but he's the guy who agreed to do it and pulled the trigger and was paid to kill this woman. Right. I mean, clearly, like, you would do something like that, uh, like, if you're the husband, because you had such an awful experience with your first divorce, with the, you know, your ex-wife taking, you know, a lot of your money and property or whatever. And, you know, to be... I'm I'm not going to say to be fair, because that's not really the best way to put it. But when it comes to divorce proceedings, there is a, a certain unfairness to it. So I could see, I mean, because you have people like, for instance, Brendan Fraser, he was totally just taken to the cleaners by his ex-wife. And, you know, he had been in a ton of films and he's done all this other stuff. And, you know, that was the reason why he was starring in movies like Furry Vengeance, because it, he was just hurting, having to pay his wife all this extra uh, cash. I don't really understand that. I get it. I get when it comes to like sharing assets and some other things, like if you were actually responsible uh, for uh, getting those a assets, like if there was equal responsibility. But, you know, these people that marry into uh, uh, rich situations or marry uh, celebrities who don't really have any connection to any of the any of this wealth other than they were married to them. Why should they be uh, given the majority? Of that doesn't make any sense to me. It's ass backwards. Yeah, I'm, I've never There's nothing to earn it. I've never understood how that is justifiable makes no sense to me because it's like why would you even want to get married then <laughs> like whatever you can have that situation where you could actually be somewhat stable financially and then the relationship doesn't work out for whatever reason you decide to part ways and then the wife is all like oh i want half your money I mean, marriage, it, it, you know, that's great that you're just so into that person that you need to, like, you know, codify your relationship through the government and, and make it, you know, official. And there are some and, other benefits yeah, to when you get married. That's great, but man, if that shit goes wrong, if that shit goes off the rails, if it goes awry, then uh, that, that shit can get, it's so messy. It can get so complicated. I mean, especially for the woman with her, uh, last name, having to, you know, all her bills and yes. all info gets complicated because she goes back to her original name. And like Stephanie's go been going through that ever since she got divorced, uh, from, uh, her ex-husband. Um, you know, she still got his last name on legal shit. But, you know, she uses her original last name on everything else and it just causes a bunch of complications. And uh, I'm not, I'm just sitting here looking at this going like, man, if I meet someone that I really like, I mean, can't we just like be in love and live our lives together and not bring the fucking go I mean, hell, government into you it? Can, you can do that. You can do that. I mean, a good example of that is uh, Goldie Hawn and Kurt Russell. They uh, met on the set of the first film that they were in together, Swing Shift. And they've been together ever since, and they haven't gotten married. And at, they were at times considered a power couple in Hollywood, and they never really got married. They they just remained partners, longtime partners, and they've been together for uh, decades, actually. 
Yeah, see? What's wrong with that? Be like Kurt and Goldie. Who doesn't want a relationship like that anyway? Yeah, I mean, think of like the the just how much less stress that is. Like, I know I've known women who are like so unhappy in their marriage, but like there's so much like complication to like you can't just leave, you know? Like you can't just be like yeah. I'm unhappy. It be it becomes this whole fucking process and a lot of times they just don't even want to go through all of it they they would just rather stay in the shit than like put put in the effort to even get out of it but i mean if you're just you know together but you're not legally married it's a hell of a lot easier to just be like peace and you know it's clean you keep all your shit they keep their shit it stays fair what's mine is mine what's yours is yours all that business and then and I guess in marriage you can do that with a prenup. Yeah, but then that stirs you, up this you know, whole that stirs up all these bad feelings. Uh not yes. not not all the not every time. Sometimes like the woman or the man is uh really mature about they're, it. Yeah, they're agreeable yeah. and they're able to work th- through things. They're realistic and logical, but then other times, you know, people get really emotional about it. And, and then they're all like, "What do you mean?" You know, I, I shouldn't have that, too, or, you know, I shouldn't be able to share that with you, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. like Paul Stanley's first wife, uh, the guitar singer, guitar player from Kiss, uh, she she started crying and going into a frenzy when he brought up a prenuptial agreement, and this was after he had al- was already successful and Kiss had become uh, huh. successful, and... Um, She's like, you know, I promise I would never do anything like that to you if we didn't work out. My, Where I'm from, my word is my bond. Well, flash forward to when they're getting a divorce and she lawyers up and she ends up taking his ass to the cleaners. Uh-huh. And he's like, what happened uh-huh. to what happened to my word is my bond, you know? And, and, and she ended up getting a house out of him and all this other kind of shit. Yeah. Just for yeah. sucking his dick for a few years. Good Lord. Yeah. Um, but we're not saying that we advocate murder, though, to get out of that situation. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, it, it, you know, it, you know, you'll have fucked up thoughts sometimes. I'm sure if I was in that situation, that thought would pop. I wouldn't act on it, but I, just, I the thought would probably pop in my head like, God, if only she could just die somehow. <laughs> if only I could kill oh her. I wouldn't have to deal with any <laughs> oh of this God. shit. I you know uh, I, I wouldn't know do it I, I wouldn't do it but you yeah. know like you have fucked up thoughts sometimes but you don't act on them and, and like sometimes they come in my they used to come into my head randomly and they'd scare me but I've since kind of like developed a technique of yeah. uh, you know dealing with them but like I remember sitting at on my couch or at my well, I mean I've had thought I mean when I was living with my crazy uncle in Oklahoma City I I had thoughts about killing him you know but it was normally in self defense that's what it was it was a self-defense kind of uh death yeah in terms be, of the thought you know you're not gonna do it i mean you know it's it's no there's a difference between having a thought and having a desire a thought mm. is just a piece of data in your head and there it's just a passive thing Although that for exists. some people the thought can then turn into a desire and then turn into reality. I almost feel like the de- if they're yeah, well, what comes first? Does the desire facilitate the thought, or does the thought facilitate the desire? Oh, mm. so uh, I I would say the thought. That's the that that's what uh, opens the door. 
And okay, well, I'll uh, give you a for instance. Whether, it depends on whether or not you then continue to think about that kind of uh, action. And then after that point, after continually thinking about that action, then you start to justify that action. And uh, at that point, you're not very far away from actually doing it. I actually think it could go both ways. Because, for instance, and this has happened to me a lot of times, I see a girl with her titties hanging out. I think to myself, I, I see the image, and I'm like, God damn, I would like to have sexual intercourse with her. So in that uh-huh. case, the desire facilitated the thought. Well, yeah. And then I start thinking to myself, how can I go and talk to her? How can I like introduce myself? And it was all spurned by um, her supple um, breasts, <laughs> which is totally normal, totally natural response. Class, uh-huh. class, stop yeah. snickering. It's it's normal to have <laughs> such desires. Whatever. That was the first example that came to my head, okay? I was trying to think of an example where desire could facilitate thought. He's, and... got, he, he, he's got boobs on the brain. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, is there anything else to this one? or No, except uh, uh, Jim, he's a scumbag, and I'm glad he's in prison for the rest of his life. Yeah, fucking millionaires thinking they can just buy whatever they want, buy whatever reality they want to live in. Like, Not all millionaires, but uh, sad to say, a good good number of them, because uh, uh, there is a psychological connection between you know people who have had everything given to them and have uh, lived uh, way beyond most people's means consistently. They they start to look at life uh, in a completely different way than other people. Yeah, I mean, not that you and I will ever know. <laughs> no, no, no. But I do find it crazy when someone wins a lottery and then oh, they man. blow it all. Dude, actually, and... there's some great uh, lottery murder uh, things out there on E! Yeah. Actually, there was a great one. We should cover that sometime. I think yeah. that would be... Because some of this stuff, it's like, why? Why did you blow it all on drugs? Like, dude, <laughs> what are you doing? And it's not always people who were into drugs prior to that. They just decided, well, I got money now. I guess I could start doing cocaine. I saw this one where the guy won the lottery and and he essentially went from like this happy dude and he ended up dead at the end of the episode (laughs) from suicide. He like lost his family and I don't know why I'm laughing, but he like lost his family and he like lost everything, you know. Because, you know, when you're not used to having that kind of money, you literally just throw it around like it's goddamn water. I don't water. understand that. I mean, that wouldn't happen. I, I guarantee if I had that amount of money, that wouldn't happen with me. I would Dude, just get but see a the thing, nice place. He, here's the problem, though, and, man. Yeah? You'd have to, like, pretty much disconnect like a, like a suppressive person in Scientology. You would have to disconnect from all your... Uh, friends and family except for your I don't have that many friends the ones that I that I do know like like you well Mike I have your others. fucking address so I know if you I win the lottery you I know where to find you 
And, uh, I, you know, <laughs> my car's got problems and my foot hurts. And uh, I just need to, <laughs> I need to borrow a couple thousand dollars, man. Um... You know I'm good for it. <laughs> but no, that's what happens. I'm, I'm listening to Mariah, Car- Mariah Carey's memoir right now. That, that's a phrase I never thought I'd say in my life, but here we are. <laughs> Uh, she's talking about how, like, the first people that, that, you know, started hitting her up for money was her, her fucking brother, and then her mom, Well, I don't have any siblings, so, you know. Yeah, well. Uh, and my cousin, uh, a lot of my, uh, you know, I'm not really that close with a lot of my other family members, so it would just be a lot of, like, why should I give you anything? I would just be like, bye. I would be (laughs) fucked, because, like, I... My job entails on me going out a lot to bars and yeah. shit, and I have a lot of uh-huh. acquaintances. And well, you wouldn't have to do that job anymore, right? Right, but then then it's like I, I wouldn't even be able to hang out anywhere, you know. Yeah. And I I'm a very social. Yeah. I, I go out like you, you might know. have to you'd have to move. Yeah, well, I'd have to. And start, that's kind of what over. happened one of, with one of the cases I read. The guy he moved and changed his identity. And didn't let his family or a lot of his other uh, former acquaintances know because oh, he just couldn't hilarious. couldn't handle it. That's hilarious. But you know, I I'm not super close to a lot of my family members, and I I I think I'd be able to work it out pretty well. I'm not even gonna. I won't even trust it. if I get that large amount of money. I'm not even gonna try to invest in real estate or any of that shit either. Like I'm not even gonna have uh, some guy. You know, you know, look over my finances. You know, I just uh, put it in my, you know, checking account or whatever, and go from there. Might even put it in a different check, you know, different, uh, spread it out. But yeah, I fuck it. I just get a house. Thing is, is nice uh, they don't they don't give it to you in That's a giant. Uh, they don't give it to no, you in, they a, don't. in a lump sum. They, that's, that's what I'm saying. I would just, I would just get a night. You can choose a lump sum, I think, but, but it's, it's way less. It's way less. Yeah. And I just, I just get a house. Maybe invite one of my friends to live with me, and that, that's it. It's all. See, that's what. You, that's your easy. first mistake right there. You invite a friend over, they start hitting you up, and then pretty soon you wake up and he's straddling you with a butcher knife to your neck. Yeah, that doesn't that doesn't necessarily that that's not the case with everybody. I'm saying that's what I would do. I'm assuming I would be the friend. <laughs> nah, not I actually have someone else. Uh, what line. was it? Was it the whole? Was it the whole situation. me like threatening to kill you in the night thing? Was that what broke the deal just then, or <laughs> was that a turn I just off? Had someone else. In, I I have someone else in mind that I knew. Uh, I've known for a long time. Mike, does our does our to like when I met four you. or five year relationship mean nothing to you? <laughs> It means a fair amount, but not enough where, you know, if I won the lottery, I'd invite you to live with me. I could I could make us dinner uh, with uh, an apron on and just an apron, if you know what I mean. Uh, I don't think I want to know what you mean. <laughs> wow. Anyway, uh, this is definitely low self-esteem right now. This is uh, this is taking a, a sharp detour. Um, let's, uh, turn right back in onto Unsolved Mysteries Lane here and, uh, get to the next case, uh, which is, uh, Josh's pick. Uh, this isn't one of his, probably not one of your favorite cases, but... Not by long shot, Mike. The, we're getting to that point where it's like, well, I guess this'll work. You know, it, it's, it's, we're at the fuck it 
phase with unsolved mysteries cases i mean honestly it it, it, it's like dude it's like we've talked about almost every case (laughs) i mean i know we haven't quite honestly i know there's a lot we haven't talked about but they're probably not that you know like interesting it's not like a case that like oh i can't wait to get on and gush about this particular case i mean i know we haven't gotten into any of the reunions nor will we most likely because those are fucking all all the cheese sometimes they're heartwarming but other times they're just cheesy or just some of them are devastating like the one where he was searching for his missing daughter for years and then he found out that she died in some tragic explosion Oh, you know it's an interesting case i don't think we talked about was um i think it's on the psychics one it's the guy who um uh felt like he lived his former life as like a u.s um navy guy during pearl harbor and he lived uh-huh. his whole life afraid of water. And um, he, he actually, like, through therapy, like, found his, uh, like, an old family member of his former life and went to visit. And yeah, I don't think we talked about that one yet. That wouldn't be a good no. one. Okay. Yeah, anyway. Um, all right. This is the case of the ice woman. This is a miracle, Mike. It's a fucking miracle. It's one of the Lord's blessings. Or as Mike would say, it's a miracle. It's a fucking miracle. <laughs> <clears throat> say it with me, Mike. Miracle. Miracle. There you go. That sounds so much better. Do you like how I'm just conforming you to be like me instead of and taking away your individuality slowly but surely? Well, I mean... You've you've pronounced some things uh, ways that some people would find questionable as well. But, I mean, that's how it is for everybody. Everyone likes to dog on the way I say orange, uh, because apparently it's orange, and I say orange, which they say sounds... uh, orange. Yeah. Orange, you, like... (laughs) Well, they say it's, like, the the north, up north, like, the northern pronunciation is orange, and uh, that's how how I've always said it. I've always said orange instead of orange. Um, and, and apparently I say ancient funny. So I say anx- ancient, like there's a K in there. But apparently oh. apparently it's ancient. Like Yeah, a, it's ancient. Yeah, I say ancient. I throw like That's a, the first time I have ever heard that pronunciation of that word. Yeah, ancient. That way. Wow. I throw like a K in there somewhere. It's like A-N-K-S-H-I-N-T. You might be triggering some people right now with that. They're just like... Yeah. How could he? How dare you? So I wanted to point out my foibles as well. <laughs> so anyway, um, can you tell how excited we are for for these cases this week, guys? <laughs> All the fucking uh, putting off, getting into them. I mean, it's, he was talking about some other case about some guy who had a past life. Yeah. If we're lucky enough. Someone will make a YouTube documentary about the downfall of the Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries podcast. <laughs> they'll talk about the like the glo- the glory uh, glory days or the golden years, the golden era of UUM, and then like the latter years where it started to go downhill. Uh, that would be interesting. I, I I would love for someone like a Fred Knutson or Medicare or someone. Not like they would care. Oh, We're not popular. There, enough. There's no way in hell they would do anything on us. No. But uh, anyway, okay, it's Ice Woman, Ice Ice Woman. Yeah. Ice Ice Baby. So anyway, uh, Ice Lady, uh, December 20th, 1980, on bitterly cold, on a bitterly cold morning, it should say, in Langby, Minnesota, 
A man opened his back door to find his 19-year-old neighbor, Jean Hilliard, laying in the snow. She was literally frozen solid. Yeah, and this is one of the uh, older episodes. This is from uh, season eight. So you still had the vintage, like really moody, dark, uh, honestly, really eerie atmosphere that you've come to know and love from the show. And uh, there were some shots in this that were actually uh, really chilling, no pun intended. (laughs) Just seeing uh, her frozen body, whatever uh, they did with the makeup uh, and... uh, all of that was really impressive. It looked very real. And uh, also just the reenactments that took place in the middle of this uh, frozen tundra, essentially. That's what it was like, as if you were in uh, or uh, stuck in, in the frozen tundra in Alaska or something. Yeah. Um, so the night before, Jean's car had ran off the road and gotten stuck. Jean was trying desperately to reach her neighbor's house. The temperature was 25 degrees below zero. Yeah, this this reenactment, it shows her. You also hear her uh, reasonings for what she did. And I'm like, this is stupid. That's really what I was. I was rewatching this and I'm like, what are you doing? It's a negative 25 degrees outside. You're not going to make it. Well, I've been cold before and I've been in other cold weather have you been in negative uh, 25 degrees weather? Have you been in that very often? She she wasn't even dressed for it. That's the other thing. She had some uh, fashion boots, uh, a, a, a sweater, like a, a, a little uh, winter jacket and like pants. That's it. She didn't have a hat. She didn't have like a parka or anything. Just put the hood up or whatever to protect her from the freezing cold wind chill. Yeah. Which was going to make her make it very difficult for her to get to her location fast enough before she froze. Because when you're trying to walk against the wind, man, uh, you are at a serious disadvantage. I don't. I don't believe I, I I can probably state for a fact I have never been in weather that cold. I don't I don't even think I've been in zero degree weather. I've been in zero. I've been be- I've been in uh, weather that's been below zero in Oklahoma City. And, what does that and, feel and like? A even? Few other pla- it's nasty, man. It, especially when you got the wind whipping around. And I mean, I've been in, in situations where. Uh, I remember I would be trying to walk to the bus stop to go to work because it was like an hour and a half uh, commute to the movie theater. And uh, I'd be walking from my dad's apartment and it just slipping and sliding on the ice. And and, uh, there would be days where it would be snowing and there would be wind that's so strong it could blow you backwards. It actually blew me right into a sign I think like Walgreens or something, and it, yeah, it was it was pretty serious. Jeez, and uh, that was just that was nothing compared to the the conditions she was talking about. <clears throat> and she's like, "Yeah, I'll just walk to my uh, neighbor's house." It's like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, this is stupid. Like, you're not gonna make it, and. She's trying to justify it. I'm like, oh, I, I didn't. I, I was worried about carbon monoxide poisoning. 
Like how much carbon monoxide poison you couldn't turn off the car or I don't, I mean, you could also freeze there too, but, uh, I mean, this is one of those instances too, where it, it happened in 1980. So there was no cell phones. Nowadays, this, you'd be able to find a solution to this pretty quickly. Um, but, uh, I, I can see why maybe she was like, Oh, carbon monoxide or whatever. But I, I would have waited a little bit before I decided I'm going to go that far. She was worried about somebody finding her or messing with her or something. Like, you're in the middle of, like, a f nowhere, and it's freezing cold outside, and it's snowing. You're not going to run into any. And all the people would run into is somebody maybe who's on the on the street. So she, she might have still had the same uh, result eventually. She still might have froze. So maybe it actually was the best decision to do what she did because she was found. So that is something. But uh I still think it's pretty it's it's pretty dumb and you're really uh you're absolutely putting uh your life at risk if you decide to walk a, a mile and a half in negative 25 degree weather without the proper uh clothing on to keep you warm. I mean, I've been in sweltering, sweltering, suffocatingly hot weather, uh, and and that's no picnic. I would say that's worse for me than really freezing cold nah. because when it's when it's really freezing cold, at least for me personally, I can bundle up. You know, I can get all these. I can I can have my thermals. I can have you know and uh, you know. Uh, extra shirts on. I can have a really nice uh, winter jacket, and I can and gloves, and I can stay warm. It limits your mobility, uh, though. Like you don't want to go. Does. You don't don't want to go anywhere. Like you can't. It's almost like you're wearing no. a spacesuit. Like as soon as a spacesuit comes off, you're fucked. Yeah. So like you you can only really go like where you're. You know, I don't know. It depends just... on it depends on how cold it is. Normally, I, I'm not going to be out in something that cold for that long anyway. Um, so I don't even really go out uh, and do much of anything if it's that cold. Uh, so uh, unless I have to. <clears throat> Shit, but when I... it's super hot, like I can't take anything else off. That's what I'm talking about. Like I cannot take anything. I can't. Uh, especially if you don't have, you live in a place that does not have AC, like you can't take anything that, yeah. else off. Now in Florida, yes, I, I, there, I have definitely gone to some hipsters houses who d didn't have air conditioning and they just like left the windows open. Yeah. And I think, I think uh, George Lopez did some joke about like going to Mexico or something. And he's like, you know, you're, you're in a Mexican house when it's hotter at night than it is during the day. <laughs> and, and dude, I swear to God, that's how it felt sometimes at these houses. Like it was like, Jesus, I'm burning up in here and it's nighttime. <laughs> like, yeah. It, it, but you know what though? And, and yes, it, that has its own discomfort, but there is nothing quite like the, the, uh, pain of uh of extreme cold to me like and and this yeah obviously this is coming from someone who was born and raised in the heat so i'm more i guess used to it and uh I, but the cold is just 
this is this is what I've always said. The cold fucks up my night because the night is when I like to go out and hang out, and that's when it's going to be its coldest. The heat only fucks up my day. You know, because during the day uh-huh. it's all, all hot. You don't want to. You know, you don't really want to do. You don't really want to go outside or whatever. But uh, at night, yeah. you know, it cools down enough to where it's like, all right, I can at least go out and whatever. But when it's cold, it's like that's when it's the worst. When it's nighttime, so it's like I don't. I would rather my day be fucked up because I stay inside anyway. Wow, we've gotten off track again. Holy shit! Um, <laughs> well, I wouldn't say it's entirely off track because it does somewhat relate to uh, the situation because you know she was out in the cold. So, so at the. Uh, the night before, Jean's car ran off the road and gotten stuck. Jean was trying desperately to reach her neighbor's house. The temperature was 25 degrees below zero. At the small local hospital, Dorothy Killian of the nursing staff was stunned. She's quoted here as saying, She was so cold, it was like reaching into a freezer, like picking out a frozen stick of wood. Her face was absolutely white, just this ashen death look. We did hook her up to the monitor, and we got this agonal rhythm, like one beat. It was just like one and nothing, and then two. We knew that we had something, but that's a death rhythm. Yeah, it was. It, it did not look good. Um, she was frozen solid. Uh, uh, I think the neighbor or somebody who said that they found her, they saw what looked like a, a an air bubble coming out of her nose. So they definitely did see that there were some signs of life despite how her appearance and that's why they decided to take her to uh the hospital and um that that definitely is a horrifying sight but also is uh the fact that she actually almost made it she was almost to her neighbor's house like she recollected that she could see her neighbor's house and you know through the blurry vision because it was just so cold and she had been walking for a mile and it took her an hour and a half because she's having to be so slow and it's cold and she's having to fight against the wind and that's what she said her last memory was of just seeing her neighbor's house and then just out until she was eventually uh uh brought back to life right dr ryan kelly was called in quote she was severely frostbitten none of her limbs would bend or move and really things looked very grim when a person gets frostbite what we're basically talking about is freezing of the limbs that actually means ice crystals forming in the cells and in doing so they destroy many of the cells of the body after the hands and feet maybe start the initial stage of the frostbite and the core temperature of the body drops, the heart, the lungs, the internal organs of the abdomen, the brain, when those start to cool, it becomes more and more difficult for them to perform their functions until they finally stop. At that point, the patient would more than likely die. The hospital staff was doing everything it could, but Rosie Erickson, a hospital office worker, worried that it wouldn't be enough. She knew that Jean needed a miracle. I called the pastor of our church and I stated simply that Jean Hilliard from the Langby area was brought into the hospital in a frozen condition, very critical, and that she needed prayer. With the blessing of the family, the word went out. A prayer chain started at 9 that morning. Within 10 minutes, more than 30 people were praying for Jean. Oh, Jesus. 
The odds against Gene were enormous, but two hours later, Gene suddenly went into violent convulsions. It was a good sign, but the danger was far from over. Doctors worried that even if Jean regained consciousness, she might have been serious brain damage, and the frostbite was so severe that amputating Jean's legs seemed inevitable. Then Jean regained consciousness. I woke up in the hospital about noon. Things were kind of hazy, and people were asking me questions as to who I am and things like that, and I couldn't figure out why they were talking to me that way or why they were treating me that way. Of course, I knew these people. Of course I knew who I was. I mean, what's the big deal? <laughs> you were just a pop school. A few hours ago. What's the big deal? Sandra Clicker, Jean's sister, was there. When Jeannie first came to and we knew that she was going to live, it was an extreme relief. But it was more miraculous to me that her legs were recovering. Every time we lifted the sheet, we could see the white just moving down. The black was disappearing little by little. And to me, I still think that was just unbelievable. That's the human body. Uh, uh, that's that... that uh, is something that's rather common when it comes to people who have been frozen <clears throat> solid like this. Uh, the black does disappear little by little uh, if they do come out of it and uh, their body temperature is raised uh, to the right uh, level properly. Jean spent 49 days in the hospital. In defiance of everything her doctors knew about frostbite, she recovered completely. Dr. Ryan was amazed. It was enough that she survived. That was a wonderful enough thing. But to have this added gain of not losing any fingers or toes, and in fact just having what I guess would be minor scars, this is remarkable. That is remarkable. Because that is uncommon <laughs> when it comes to these kind of cases. Normally there's some kind of nerve nerve damage or some limbs or uh, fingers or toes are lost. So that is definitely remarkable. Jean credits her survival and astonishing recovery not only to the doctors and nurses who cared for her, but also to friends and neighbors who prayed for her. There are other people across the nation that same night that were found in the same condition I was in, and they, and they died. I just think without all these people that I might not have survived. And then the comment below goes, uh, it, it has been suggested that due to having alcohol in her system, yes. her organs remained unfrozen, which yes. prevented damage. Yes, <laughs> it was from Wikipedia. I was going to mention that. That's fucking awesome. Mention, yeah, she was. She definitely did not want to uh, mention that to the Unsolved Mysteries uh, folks. Um, oh yeah, and by the way, uh, I, I I had a I had some drinks that night, and yeah, I was a little I was a little hungover. wasted. Uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, you know, alcohol that, is hey, a, that's a one much... instance where alcohol being plastered actually might have saved her life. See? See there? And you guys want to call me an alcoholic? <laughs> I love like this the fucking... The blessing was that uh, she uh, got drunk that night. <laughs> uh, was, uh, was the guy upstairs responsible for that? Did he pick uh, the, uh, the uh, spirits? The alcohol for her to imbibe that night. She's thanking Jesus Christ, but I think the real hero here is Jack Daniels. <laughs> oh my God. This other comment um, I find funny. He goes, y'all God-fearing cucks need to put more faith in your fellow man and the people who put their lives on the line to save you. They just happen to pray by coincidence. People pray all the time and people die. It's the incredible doctors and alcohol in her bloodstream that saved her. Grow up and stop believing fairy tales. Amen, my friend. <laughs> I agree with that statement wholeheartedly. 
Yeah, and uh, their responses uh, were... <laughs> they were predictable, but also uh, not very kind or caring. You know, it's like, we'll be sure to not make any uh, best on your recovery should you be frozen solid. Amen to that. Yeah, and then this or other the whole, person... Like, I will pray for you. Your life must be very empty. <laughs> I love that, man. I love, I love that. I love that about Christian. I'm not the condescending try- bullshit. It's just I'm not God. trying to get on the whole like religious thing right now, but like there is kind of a religious component to this case because they like talked about that a good bit in the segment, and it's like, yeah, it, I mean, you know, people just get extremely fucking lucky sometimes because it's like the person said, uh, people pray for people all the time and they still fucking die. Just, you know, like, that happens way more than, like, the thing that you want happening actually happened. And if it does, it's just circumstances. And I mean, like, and I think there is some kind of um, placebo effect to prayer, for sure. Like, I think if you want if you believe in something and, you know, it it calms you, you get good feelings about it, Uh all, all those things those chemicals of, of, of calm and all that being released into your body, I think can help heal. And then you're going to attribute it to prayer. Um, but I mean, you know, if you can, if you're really good at meditating, you can arguably achieve the same effect. There's arguably more instances out there of people who have died after prayer more than likely than there are of these miraculous recoveries. Well, yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. Like people who are prayed yeah. for, like more often than not, they they die anyway. Um, I mean, it, you know, whatever you want to do. Um, <laughs> there's someone who comments, and their screen name is Rev Kevin, like Reverend Kevin. He goes, "It's uh-huh. it's so awesome how doctors and science was able to cure this woman. God had nothing to do with this. Thanks, doctors." <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, I like uh, I like this uh, response from Susan. Uh, it has some medical information. Um, while cases like these are not unknown, uh, uh, they are rare. And as the body core uh, temp drops, everything slows. Uh, breathing is all but suspended, causing the heart to slow. The amount of oxygen needed for organ function drops dramatically. Uh, this is the same process that allowed children who have spent upwards of 30 to 40 minutes submerged in freezing water to survive. And uh, uh, Gene is not the only one that's been frozen solid and lived. Uh, you have some other cases. You got Justin Smith. He was a 25-year-old who lived in Pennsylvania. He had gone out with friends one night in 2016 when he technically lost his life. The group had been drinking and lost track of each other. Oh, he was drinking too. Uh, Smith was found unconscious on the roadside the following morning, covered in snow and blue. He had been in sub-zero temperatures for more than 12 hours. Knowing his son had no pulse and or blood pressure, Smith's father had no hope. Uh, but there was a doctor who was working in the emergency department of Lehigh uh, Valley Hospital when Smith came in, and he wasn't ready to give up. He's quoted here, he says, My clinical thought is very simple. You have to be warm to be dead. Dr. Coleman hooked Smith up to an extracorporeal membrane oxygenation uh, ECMO machine. It pumps and oxygenates a patient's blood, doing the work of the heart and lungs. Smith's core temperature began to warm, although he ended up losing his toes and two fingers. Over the course of the next few weeks, Smith made a complete recovery. When you have a very low temperature, it can preserve the brain and other organ functions. 
there was also a toddler who uh, was uh, left alone in an icy uh, Canadian night. Uh, 13 month, 13 month old, uh, Erica Nordby woke up in the middle of the night at a family friend's home. Although she was cuddling with and snoozing her, uh, snoozing her, uh, three-year-old sister and mother, uh, Nordby got up and toddled out into the icy Canadian night wearing only a diaper and a t-shirt. At 3 a.m., Nordby's mother woke to notice her baby was missing. When she finally found her daughter, Nordby was face down in the snow and frozen stiff. She had been out of the snow... Uh, out in the snow for up to four hours. When the paramedics arrived, they struggled to insert an IV into her veins to warm her, so they stuck the needle straight into her leg bone to run fluid through her bone marrow. After treatment with a warming blanket known as the bear hugger uh, uh, at the emergency room, Norby's heart began beating again, and the toddler made a full recovery. Uh, as long as they cool off fast enough, the body ends up having enough oxygen in the various parts of the body, such as the brain. It's like being in a state of suspended animation. So it is one of those instances where it is rare, but like if you get froze solid and uh, th things occur in a way where it happens slow enough, there is a chance you might survive. Uh, there's another, this, uh, uh, someone, uh, it was a Swedish radiologist named Anna. She was 29 years old. She went for a day of skiing. Uh, and she slipped down a hill in, in uh, 1999 and fell headfirst into a frozen lake. Her friends tried to pull her out by her skis but couldn't get her back to land. For nearly 40 minutes, uh, she was conscious. Uh, she found a small pocket of air under the ice that allowed her to breathe, but then her body gave into hypothermia. When she was pulled from the lake, she was nearly frozen solid. Her core temperature was 56 degrees Fahrenheit. On the electrocardiogram, when the doctor and the helicopter connected her to, there was it was completely flatlined. Uh, no signs of light whatsoever. At the hospital, though, doctors hoped her body had frozen slowly enough to allow her brain to survive. Uh, they pumped her blood through the warming device and returned it to her body to bring her temperature back up. Uh, then her heart began to beat. It took over a year for uh, Anna to overcome nerve damage, but she made a complete recovery. Uh, so she's an instance, but she was uh, she was more frozen from the the head. Uh, her whole body wasn't frozen solid. Uh, then, yeah. So there are other instances of this this occurring. Um, but yeah, it seems like with this kind of thing, it's about how slowly you're frozen uh, and uh, whether or not your brain is uh, frozen to the point where it, it has enough oxygen. It, it's it, it's complicated, but that's that's kind of how it is with these kind of things. And I think it, it honestly is proof less of blessings from God and more proof of just how amazing the human body is, how much the human body can take, and how it can be frozen solid in, in, in a, a few instances and still manage to... Uh, not completely die. It's the situations. All situations are different. Um, just because there are people who had di have died in this kind of instance, that doesn't mean that it it's it's uh it's a blessing from God. But I mean, if you want to look at it that way, that's fine.
I have no problem with that, but I, I look at it more as a, another instance of a medical marvel. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and that was, it was a good, you know, it was a good segment. It was like, you know, like, wow, that's really, you know, miraculous. It's trippy. Yeah. It really is. It's, it's, it's a trippy thing to imagine that the body can be frozen solid and still ultimately survive in any instance. Um, all right, so uh, now we're moving on uh, to our next thing, and it is the perks of being a Yosh flower. Uh, I found my Zanga diaries from when I was a teenager and angry that no girl would touch my pee-pee, and I am now reading, <laughs> I'm reading them to you for your pleasure and my humiliation. Uh, and uh, disclaimer, uh, anything that I say, I don't pre-read these. I'm reading these for the first time since I wrote it over 10 years ago. So if I say something ignorant, uh, I, I don't stand by that still, probably. Sometimes I do, but most of the times I don't. Um, we're starting at where we left off. Saturday, October 22nd, 2005. Dude, lots of shit has went down since Monday. First, I got kicked out of my band because they wanted to start a new band with just three members. Whatever, they sucked, and I stole one of their pedals, so fuck them. Wow, I don't remember doing that. <laughs> what a renegade. Shit. All right. Damn. What a rebel. I'm trying to remember what pedal that would have been, huh? Then yesterday, I saw nine-inch frickin' nails. They were so awesome. They were. That was a great tour, the With Teeth tour. That was fucking badass. I came to Jacksonville. I went, saw it with my friend Brian. Uh, Casey called me after school yesterday. I wish I could have talked to her, but she never called me back. So I guess she was busy again. I want to do something today. I've lost five pounds. I got my drum set back. What do you mean she called you? Like, she called you. She called me. I guess I didn't answer. I wasn't able to answer or something. Oh, okay. And she had the kind, like, she, uh, so with how crazy her parents were, like, I couldn't call her, you know? Oh yeah, she had yeah, to. Now she, I remember. Yeah, she had to call yeah. me because if I called her, she'd get into shit. Uh, I got a sweet. Nowadays, you just do uh, a FaceTime or. Oh, uh, dude, there'd be a, there'd be a million something. fucking ways I could talk to her nowadays, but back then it was like cell phone and text, and that's really all you had. I mean, I I guess she had Zanga, but she never really got on here. Um. So yeah, so that was my old school hardcore band Stronghold that I played drums in for like uh, two seconds, uh, and I guess <laughs> I guess they kicked me out. Um, so yeah, like they formed a new band, but then it's still Stronghold. Well, <laughs> that's that's pretty much what happened. I mean, you know, that, that's pretty much exactly how it went down. They didn't form a new band at all. You just they just didn't did want me in to it to make yourself I, to make yourself feel better. I hated that music anyway, man. Like. I, yeah, he probably would have quit. Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, all right. So this is Thursday, October twenty seventh, two thousand and five. Damn, no comments ever. Lots of exclamation points. Nothing is happening in life. Nine Inch Nails concert was freaking awesome, though. Still thinking about that. N- nothing. <laughs> but I did go to this awesome concert. Yeah, right. Ungrateful little fucker. Still thinking about that. Zach came over last night. My friends are turning gay. Two metrosexual hardcore slash emo kids in our group. One thinks he's the shit because he's in a semi-big band, and the other kid is just gay. Brian is my good friend right now because he isn't a douche. There's a lot of really funny things about that uh, that 
little paragraph. Um, first of all, Brian came out as legitimately gay after high school. Uh, oh. <laughs> and my friend Zach that I mentioned in this post. Awkward. Uh, <laughs> yeah, what's even more awkward, my friend Zach that I mentioned in this post. And I've mentioned Zach before on this podcast. Uh, he was, I, I, I would describe him as the kid that I did all my first bad things with. The first time I got high was mm-hmm. with Zach. The first time I got drunk was with yeah. Zach. All in middle school. Uh, he, he actually overdosed on heroin, uh, two days ago and died. Wow. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. It, he had been in Damn. jail. He had been in jail. I, I don't know on what. I lost contact with him after high school because yeah. he, I started, I saw he was going down that fucking road and. He was belligerently drunk a few times I'd seen him. And, yeah. you know, I remember giving him a ride home one night and he was talking about how great it would be to hang out with me again and this, that and the other. And it's just like in my head, I'm thinking, Zach, you're you're just not the same. I mean, it's like he, he was the same, but I knew he was high and fucked up on drugs. And it's like, I, I really don't yeah. want to be around that, man. It's like you're gone. You're going too extreme in life. And it was just really sad that. And that happens all too yeah. often, you know, with drug addicts is they'll get locked up and they don't have access to drugs. And as soon as they get out, what do they want to do? They want to go score. And then a lot of times they do way more. That's like if I was forced to be sober in jail for four months. And That's I- why it, it, uh, prisons would benefit a lot from more genuine rehab. Right. Uh, you know, Instead of, okay, you're in jail for drug offenses, um, we're going to send you to to rehab for your drug offenses. Yeah, I have a lot of memories with Zach, and um, it, it's it's sad that his life had to end that way. I mean, he was the same age as me. Um, yeah. So. Uh, I'm sorry for, for your loss. Yeah, I mean, it's like I said, we had become estranged. You know, I hadn't really uh-huh. talked to him. I'd lost contact. I, I didn't like the road I saw him going down, and I didn't really want to associate myself with and someone. I, I, you know, I don't think you made the wrong decision at all. I mean, uh, right? You know, whatever decision you felt was best for you and your life is is the right one, even when things kind of end up the way that they uh, have. Um, I wouldn't feel guilty. No, I don't feel guilty it's not at all. Your fault. No, I know. I don't feel guilty at all. It's just more of it's 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 sad, really. You know, because because yeah. uh, you think about I think about like how he was and who he was, and he was so zany and 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 when he wasn't yeah. being weird, like he was actually like a really cool dude, and um, he just had a lot of you I don't know, know, man. He just had his demons, you know. I mean, you can look at it as another one of those cautionary tales and uh, also another example of someone who died in a way like that, who fell down the wrong path that wasn't completely hopeless, you know, wasn't a horrible, always a horrible person, just uh, made uh, some really bad choices. Guitar player from one of my old bands died of a heroin overdose. I mean, heroin, dude, once someone gets on heroin, like, that's, that's pretty much... I mean, you can recover, but then then you got the relapsing that happens a lot mm-hmm. with that. I mean, once you go down that road, man, there's kind of no turning back. So it's like anyone out there who is thinking about trying it or who is on it, I would seek help as soon as possible because that shit is not uh, that shit does not play around at all. 
So I mean, there's a reason why they made it illegal in terms of uh, treating, uh, I think, pay for for pain, <clears throat> because it's just too uh, too addictive. Because uh, uh, a lot of people who were in Vietnam, they would just be hooked on heroin after they uh, got out. Yeah. After they came back home. Yeah, but, you know, rest in peace, Zachary. You'll be missed, my yes. friend. I will remember. Rest in peace. I remember the good the good times and not the weird times. Moving on mm -hmm. to uh, Saturday, October 29th, 2005. Okay, I'm getting kind of tired of this bullshit. First of all, I'm not pathetic. I'm a very good person if people would just take time to get to know me. No, you're really not that great. Don't feel sorry for me, okay? Now that I got that out of my system, today went, eh, could have been better. Firstly, I go up to, to the mall and meet Josh, Derek, Zach, and Patrick, and we dick around. We were going to see a movie, but then Josh decided... Uh, but then Josh wouldn't have been able to see Erica, this chick he wants to go out with. And I wanted to see Stephanie, a chick I wanted to go out with, not band Stephanie. Okay, so we decided on bowling because we could all do that. And I could see Stephanie uh, the night before it was understood between her and I that we were going to be friends with benefits. Well, when we went up to the bowling alley, she was kind of distant and she kind of hung around Zach. Actually, Zach was fucking sticking around her like a fly. This annoyed me. After bowling, we all wanted to go do something. We decided to go to this little haunted house thing that was put together as some kind of gay, scary thing. All it was was a, ho uh, a house's backyard with a big black bag over it, basically, with a bunch of people jumping out and scaring you. Well, I tried in a roundabout way to flirt to the point of making out with Steph. Well, I just looked stupid and awkward, and Zach steady stuck around with her and seemed to me like she was digging it. Ugh. How a fucking annoying. So at the end of this stupid night, I ask her, you want to walk to my car? And she just ever so coldly says, no, I'm leaving. Bye. And that was it. So I have nothing to show for this stupid night except for a half tank of gas, wa gas wasted. I really am just starting to feel heavy disappointment. I mean, it's like every, <laughs> every girl I go after just turns to crap. I invest time and money, and it just never pans out the way I expect. But then I hear from my friends about their girl experiences and they make it seem so easy. And then I constantly go back to wondering, is it my looks slash weight? And now I'm thinking, what's the fucking purpose of writing in this Zenga? I'm just like bitching and it feels so empty because there's like no point. Is this helping me in any way or is this just a waste of time? No one even reads it anyway. I tell you, man, I'm a fucking loser. People read and comment on other people's Zengas, not mine. I wish I didn't have panic attacks every time I smoked pot or else I'd go get fucked up all the time. Uh, life is fucked up. A girl can make or break your Saturday night. I'm really into Nine Inch Nails. I can just relate to that whole concept that the world is, is fucked and so is everyone in it. I think that's what kind of musical stereotype I would probably fit in. The whole world is fucked up type genre, whatever uh, that world uh, or whatever I'm out. Anyway, that was fucking hard to read apparently <laughs> yeah so the guy zach um, apparently that was just talking about god rest his soul was cock blocking yeah. me <laughs> oh man yeah i remember that I'm night surprised, uh, the gal uh stephanie wasn't like bye and put up the l sign yeah loser. loser yeah <laughs> yeah i remember that night i was listening to pretty hate machine uh i bought that cd i was listening that's that was nine Nails first cd i was listening to pretty hate machine just really grooving out on that I remember going to the bowling alley, 
And yeah, I remember being weird. I remember quoting this Beastie Boys sample because uh, I thought it was funny. Like we were all standing out in the parking lot and I guess I was trying to be quirky in front of the girls. And I said, well, if I thought it was going to be this kind of party, I would have stuck my dick in the mashed potatoes. And it was just like ice. Oh my God. It was just yeah, ice dude. from the group. They were just, dude. the girls were like side eyeing each other. Like, what is he talking about? And And Josh, my friend who would normally laugh at that, was all quiet because he was trying to look like Mr. Cool in front of the girls. Uh And, you know, I had this whole personality of like, fuck girls, I'm going to act however I want. I'm not going to change my personality around them. Like, I just didn't get it. I didn't get that you don't change your personality. You just modify it a bit and don't say things like sticking your dick in the mash for fucking Tato's. It's going to freak them out a little bit. Man... Especially uh, if everyone is going to, like, a Christian school and, like, pretty conservative and shit. <laughs> like, yeah. It's not not going to go well. That's some bad game. <laughs> yeah. That's some really bad game. Um, Let me see here. Blah, 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 blah. Speaking of Stephanie and bowling, have you gone bowling with uh, band Stephanie? Have you done that before? Um, I think so. Maybe. We've done a lot of experiences together. I don't know if bowling's one of them. Uh, I don't really like bowling that much. Um, I feel like I always throw. I, th- I feel like I, I always it could be fun. I've, I always throw my arm out at the end of the game because I want to bowl with the light ball, but the light balls uh-huh. always have the tiny finger holes because they just assume yeah. that little girly men are or like like <laughs> women are using them. But I'm like, no, I want a ball. That's light with big finger holes. I feel like I have more control uh-huh. over the ball. So, but the yeah. ones that have man-sized finger holes are like 12 pounds. And that that's harder to control, even though it has yeah, more power. I, I feel on that. I have, I have, to be honest, I do have tiny girl hands. So I, I, I have to use smaller. And then, not only that, know, they make, the, do it, they make the lighter weight balls like like glittery pink and, and, and neon yellow. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. They might as well have like a fucking like dress, like a dress etched in it. Like powdery, a, uh, powdery blue. They, yeah. they might as well have like an Elsa themed uh, frozen uh, bowling ball, uh, you, you know, for, for that league. It's like, Jesus Christ, man. Not all of us are these like bicep bodybuilding mofos like throwing around these 12 pound balls like they're nothing um yeah man god just such a lack of self uh perspective in in these like yeah sitting here blaming everyone else there's a little bit there where you're like i am a loser you know da 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 why am i even posting on here but uh it's not the kind of self uh introspection that's uh that's healthy it's just continuing to pile on more uh, issues that make your self-esteem even lower. Um, let's see here. All right, this is the last one I'll read, and then we'll uh, end it. This one's kind of long. Saturday, November 19th, 2005. I've been running a lot lately, exercising and shit, trying to lose weight. It's week one. I finished my first week of running. I feel better. I don't look any different, in my opinion, though. But anyway... Nothing much has been happening. Oh, yeah, I know. After one fucking week. Yeah, fucking idiot. Probably still eating the exact same way. Like, awful. Look, I gained weight and I've been running. Yeah. Man, life sucks. 
It's becoming winter, and that queer winter de- depression is starting to rear its ugly head. I'm supposed to be going up to Murray Hill tonight. That's the music venue. The main objective is to hang out and have fun. I also get to see Casey there, my ex. Scroll back a year in these entries, and you will see what I mean. Yeah, she will be there. Haven't seen her in months. That should be cool. I'm glad I've been exercising so I will look slimmer or the same instead of fatter. I don't know what I'm hoping to achieve by this little rendezvous, but hopefully it will be something I can take away in happiness. I hope it's not just another disappointing wasted night, like most of these things seem to turn out. Oh yeah, good news. Last night I bought a Rush VHS through the camera eye. I think it's like a live performance of the ba- or the band's music videos. Either way, it should be pretty sweet. So Christmas is coming and all I want is a 4003 Rickenbacker bass. But it's like 1200 so I don't think I'm going to be getting it. Oh well. I got so much stuff right now, I don't really need anything else. I'm still figuring out new things on the synthesizers I've had for two years now. I haven't been able to sleep good lately. This whole past week, it's taken me like an hour to fall asleep. And then last night, I couldn't go to sleep worth the crap. I think I'm going through another one of those cycles where I'm about to have another weird complex of some sort. It seems like I have to pay for all the time I was happy and wasn't having problems with some other random brain dysfunction. When will this end? Uh, Josh, spoiler alert, it doesn't. Uh, Other than that, I guess I'm pretty happy. I'm scared about college. I don't know what the fuck I want to do. I know I'm good at music, and I know I would love to play in a band and stuff, but that isn't looking very positive right now. Oh, but as for my friend Josh Delacruz, things are looking great. He's almost signed to a fucking record label. That was my dream! Why the fuck does he get to live my dream? Life is so unfair. I hate these perfect little fuckers who seem to get a get-out-of-jail-free card as soon as they're born. Either they are set up in a good situation because of the family they're born into, or everything just seems to fall into place for their fucking life. Could this all be because Josh's path with God is on the straight and narrow and mine isn't so much? Perhaps. It's too hard to live like that, though. It seems like there is too much worry about sinning when it is just inevitable for everyone. Like, you're constantly walking on eggshells about everything. And he's straight-edged. That has to be one of the stupidest things I've ever heard of. Okay, you're not noble. You're not going to gain any extra strength. You're not going to gain any extra vitality by not drinking caffeine or taking medicine or soda. That is the stupidest fucking thing I have ever heard. Why would you do that to yourself? He's in a stupid phase right now. And my friend Zach is just drugged, a drugged out dick. Oof, that, that, that's foreshadowing for you. He used to be so cool, but now all he is... I mean, uh, all he is... Uh, is a a huge pothead i mean big time every day he smokes pot and i'm not even exaggerating every freaking day and he kind of spazzed out on me friday i confronted him on his huge drug addiction and he got pissed and copped an attitude i seriously thought i was gonna have to fight him all my cousin does now is party on the weekends i wish i could do stuff but my body won't let me panic attacks usually set in Maybe that's why God gives them to me. Half my friends are druggies, half of them aren't, and my friend Brian is really my only friend I can bear to hang out with at this point. He's real. He has his own beliefs, and those beliefs are similar to mine. But he isn't as fun as Josh and them, but oh well, he makes up for everything else with his great personality. Uh, yeah, so that's my life these past few weeks. Like like it or hate it. All right, see you guys. Dude, I almost want to, <laughs> like, copy and paste that part about Zach and, like, send it to someone. Yeah. Like... Uh-huh. that's fucking crazy yeah it is um but with the whole thing with josh del cruz it, it it's like you were having your own jan brady moment there marcia 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 <laughs> uh, yeah why does he get to live my dream
I mean, I legitimately felt that way. Um, you know, like I, I, I gotta say, like I, I felt that way at the time. I really, um, it's very selfish, you know, supposedly a friend of yours and, you know, it's probably a dream that he had most of his life. So, you know, but you know, that perspective normally isn't always there when it comes to kids or teenagers yeah yeah i don't know man live and learn and then get loves (laughs) or likes (laughs) bitching about no one no one fucking god no one comments on my zanga (laughs) i'd be like doing a video be like nobody watches my videos nobody gives my uh fucking I I had that phase on YouTube where I was like, you you know uh, you're not gonna watch anyway, so what difference does it make? Like I I, I made I literally made a video one time titled that like you're not gonna watch anyway. Oh, oh no, yeah. Oh wait, hold on. I see some cringe in the distance here on this next one. I tried to I tried to write a song. Oh, you want to hear some early Josh poetry, guys? Okay, this is the last one, then we'll cut it off. Friday, November 25th, 2005. I'm going to try to make a song. This scene is obscene, and from what I have seen, the climate hasn't changed, the sky isn't green. What got me the most how, what got me the most was how I didn't expect, how I didn't expect it would affect all my dreams. When I try to object what would be too late, reject or rejection would be my fate. Innate are the details involved in this really. No one knows they could just go with a cult that is fleeting. Don't try to explain what has no meaning. If you know how to think, then you can't even see what this is really. Become will be used to describe the population. I am a lone prisoner who will always be waiting. Conceited yet frightened, they travel in numbers. No justifiable way to have begun all this. A meaningless journey trying to prove they have power. While home in a corner, they stay and they cower just to awake and feed on the weak and confused who begs to be there, not me, but you. Don't try to explain what has no meaning. Your reasons are bled and the hungry are seething. Become will be used to describe them all. I am the lone prisoner who watches them fall. Come and get me. Do you really know who you are? So what do y'all think? All right. Well, uh, um, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I think I was trying to be, write a clever song about how like all my friends were turning into like emo kids and joining like the I, scene. I, I know, but like just just on first uh, uh, on the first reading, it's just a lot of huh and what. I feel like that whole you know on Home Improvement where uh, Tim Allen go does this whole like huh. Yeah. <laughs> that's really how. That's how I feel and the, about and that. And the only comment I got, like, the only comment I got on that was Casey. She commented going. Don't put freaking fake pics of my mom up on my site again, especially in a comment. She <laughs> she's referring. I I I put this picture up of Roseanne, uh, uh Roseanne Barr in her comments because she did kind of look like her mom. I go, hey Casey, look oh. a picture of your mom. <laughs> like I'm sitting here asking for. So what do you guys think about my poem? And all, all the only thing anyone had to say was my 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 love interest that I can't get over being like don't put up pictures of my mom on my Zanga Jesus this could be made into a goddamn like pathetic movie 
<laughs> someone, someone make the perks of being a Josh Flower, please. Of of the fat, pathetic <laughs> loser. Who who uh, who would you cast as a young Josh Cannon? Uh, probably Jonah Hill. I kind I kind of <laughs> looked like him, and I feel like he has that 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 sassy, sarcastic attitude that could pull it off. And he yeah. al- he always looks like you could make him into a twelve year old or fifteen year old if need be. <laughs> I don't know. Whoever the actor would be, they would have to be fat. <laughs> because that that's the only way to truly tap into how I was as a kid. Mm. All right, guys, that's the end of the podcast. Uh, sorry if this one was a little bit lackluster. Give us some uh, suggestions, I guess. Uh, subscribe to our Patreon if you want to. You'll get the podcast early. It's patreon.com slash uncovering unexplained mysteries. That's patreon.com slash uncovering unexplained mysteries. Uh, you can join our group on Facebook by going to Facebook and in the search bar type uncovering unexplained mysteries and hit the groups tab and you should be able to find us there it's a great group very fun a lot of people um and then finally if you want to see me and mike separately but equally you can check out our separate youtube channels mike's is youtube.com slash ocp communications that's youtube.com slash ocp communications he's a movie guy he talks about movies what was the last video you did mike Last video I did is a review and honestly just a long rant on Wonder Woman 1984. Uh, I also uh, share my thoughts on Joker, the 2019 film. So uh, if you're curious to hear my thoughts on those. Gee, Mike, uh, you're late to the party on the algorithms for that one. Yeah, I know. I don't care. Uh, You know, I'm not really going by algorithms. To hell with the uh, algorithms. Just uh, going with the flow, doing what I want. It doesn't is it isn't as successful as other people, but you know I'm not doing this for you know, fame or or clicks or whatever. Because I know that it, at this point, if you don't already have those, you're 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 more than likely not gonna get it. Like it's just not they're not gonna have some explosion where you're gonna go viral. It's just not happening. I don't know. At least I'm making money off of my channel. I'm making about 150 a month from ad revenue, so that's cool. Hey, that's that's fine. That's cool. Uh, oh, I saw a movie recently. Oh, really? I saw because um, I'm I'm slowly trying to dip my toe into all the Marvel movies because I hadn't seen a goddamn one of them. I saw the first one I decided to see was Captain America the first the first one, the first Avenger. Okay, yes, that's a fun one. I thought it was all right. Yeah, it's not it's not great. I heard uh, uh, Winter I Soldier winter, is like Winter so- yeah, Winter Soldier is better. That's what everyone says. I haven't even like stepped foot into the Iron Man movies or the Hulk or I would I would recommend I would recommend Iron Man the first one because that's technically where it all started. Oh, is that like the first um, in the chain? Yes. Yep. Oh. Uh. Oh yeah, because at the end of Captain America they bring him into the modern time. Mhm. Okay. Yeah, I'm. I'm. Sl- I'm slowly. Yeah, with those kind of films, I think it would probably benefit you to like just start at the beginning and then go from there. Like, First Avenger is actually not a bad place to start because it's technically kind of a prequel. Um, but uh, I would probably, um, not randomly pick and choose things because in Marvel and the MCU, uh, in particular, they try to deliberately make things connect to one another. Yeah. So you might be watching a movie and be like, what? Huh? Yeah, Who's that? I need to. Or I need to get. I need to this, find or... the little graphic online that gives you the chain of movies in the order and all. Yeah. 
All right, so if you want to uh, check out my YouTube channel, is youtube.com slash dancingwithghosts. That is youtube.com slash dancingwithghosts. I am more of a music documentarian slash commentator slash reviewer. Uh, the last video... And he uh, poured some salt on uh, Billie Eilish. Yeah, I, 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 my last video I did was... Uh, <laughs> was uh, tossing some shade at uh, Billie Eilish, the whisperer-in-chief, the pop whisperer. I think that'd be a good title for her, the the (laughs) pop whisperer. Um, Uh. She is releasing a book in May, and the book is 336 pages long. I call that a memoir. So I'm going on a rant about how the fuck is a 19-year-old already releasing a goddamn memoir? But dude, like you're just jealous, and what are you doing? She's yeah, like a teenage girl, and it's like uh, it, it's not a memoir, you dumbass. It's a it's not a book. memoir. It's a picture book, three hundred and thirty-six motherfucking, and that's if that's like one single picture per page, mind you, which I doubt that they would do. They probably have multiple pictures on one page. Yeah, there's no way. Yeah. And 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 on top of that, there is a three-hour audio book audio only version of this book so don't sit here and tell me that it's just a fucking picture book it's a goddamn and and so you know i'm kind of a memoir freak i love listening to audio autobiographies uh on audiobook like i said i'm I'm listening to mariah carey's right now mariah carey someone who uh perfectly uh makes sense for her to do a memoir she's been in pop music for are you a fan of hers is that no you no i just you know i'm i'm interested in in she was. I was just barely interested enough to check out her memoir. Um, okay. So, uh, but uh, in the video, I think Josh made a lot of good points. In particular, mentioning uh, uh, how absurd uh, some of the advertising is for the book. Oh God, the blurb uh, on Amazon yeah. describing her as a, a once in a lifetime mm-hmm. musical legend who uh, is is uh, in. Unparalleled, Un- unrivaled in the 21st century <laughs> among ends, like just suck a dick, son. Like there is, like how the fuck, how can you like in good conscience like say something like that? You, it's, and then I make the example of Lord. I mean, the, yeah, Lord was a great. I immediately thought of Lord. Yeah, Lord. W- when Billie Eilish first came out, like so many people were saying she's a Lord ripoff, and then she got you know she just kept releasing music and pretty soon people just kind of dropped that argument and they're like yeah i love billy eilish now and it's like lord has been out of the game for so long that all the young kids they don't really remember royals very much in that whole time because i was like 2013 that that was going on so you know eilish is like you know far away enough from that to where it's kind of like, you know, oh, let's forget about Lord, you know. But I remember at the time she was fucking huge and she could have very well wrote a memoir, but now it's like she's like, you know, she's kind of faded into I mean, she's, you know, she was 16 in 2013, so she's like what fucking 21 or I didn't 20. know she was that young when she did yeah, that. Yeah, she was really young, so she's still in her early yeah. fucking 20s, so she could easily like make a comeback. She's still younger than me by a long fucking shot and she's already had a platinum and al- album and all that and and I ho- I thought Lord's music was more interesting. It was weirder and quirkier, but I I'm you know, I'm all for Billie Eilish cuz she her, her music is dark and and it's giving kids a reference point that hey, you can make dark music. It doesn't all have to be like hip hop, you know. Like other, the other stuff can exist out there. It also doesn't have to be uh, um, hardcore. 
either. Yeah. It can be dark. Right. It can be and dark not be... And, and not have like, you know, whatever. But, you know, the whole memoir thing, I was like, that that's a step too far. Like that is a that <laughs> to, that to me was a pompous ass move. He, he, Josh got triggered. And so yeah, he I got to make a video. I got triggered. So, yeah, if you want to check that out, then go over to my channel. Um, I, we tried to make this podcast short, but in our long winded nature, of course, it's almost clocking <laughs> in at two hours. So there you go. All right, guys, until next time, uh, we will see you later. Have a good rest of your week. Bye. See ya.